0: Be the weird you want to see in the world. I'll see you next time on The Power of Weird.
2: Challenging ourselves. That's what Dead America is truly about. On today's episode, we do just that. We dive deep into learning. And we talk to an individual that wants to promote learning Latin. Latin is something that most of us don't even think about, but you know when it boils down to it, Latin has a lot to do with a lot of our life and we are oblivious to that. Our guest today is going to help us understand the importance of Latin and why we should bring it back and understand it more, and study it so we understand our lives a little bit better. Let's not waste any time and get into today's episode.
0: Hello, good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you may be around this wild, wacky, and sometimes disturbing world of ours. Yes, that's the intro to the Mindset Podcast, a weekly attempt to open eyes and shedding light on what's really going on in the world. All done by ripping apart the media madness that masquerades as news. Join me, Gareth Davis, every Sunday on the Mindset Podcast. You can find the show on all major podcasting services such as iTunes, Stitcher, and so on. Or you can go directly to the main Mindset website. That's www.mindsetcentral.com. Check out the Mindset Podcast. Bring your curiosity, your opinions, and and a sense of humor, and remember that some worldviews are stranger than others. To
2: overcome, you must educate. Educate not only yourself, but educate anyone seeking to learn. We are all dead America. We can all learn something. To learn, we must challenge what we already understand. The way we do that is through conversation. Sometimes we have conversations with others. However, some of the best conversations happen with ourselves. Reach out and challenge yourself. Let's dive in and learn something Right now, and today we have Kay nil with us. Kay, would you start off with introducing yourself and let our listeners know a little bit about who you are and what you do, please?
1: Okay. Um, well, I am. I'm on a mission, and uh, I I started off. My mission is to make the study of Latin. Mainstream, and if I can't do that, at least help make it not so weird. I'm 64 years old. I've been at this for 15 years now trying to you know get some traction with this idea. I haven't had very much success so far, and I think part of it is because I haven't had a clear goal, but not a clear process. And it's taken a long time to get that in place. But yeah, in a nutshell, I, I think I was born to market Latin.
2: That's very interesting. You know, Latin is really kind of a far off place for us here in the world today for most of us, especially here in America. Our founders, they were fluent with Latin. And I'm kind of curious, do you know where we drop that off in our education system at all?
1: Yeah, we we dropped it off. Um, well, do you know, not all the founders were were big Latin and, and classics enthusiasts. Um, ben Franklin wanted it to stop being the focus of education. He wanted more practical courses, and um, and so he even though I'm sure he had studied it as as a child, that that was what, you know grammar school was you know, to study Latin grammar. So he was, uh, yeah, so he was a, a person who was, uh, in fact, um, who was the other one? Uh, Thomas Paine. He thought it was really stupid to, to even bother with Latin at all. And so not all, I mean, Thomas Jefferson, he was supposedly, he could write Latin with one hand and Greek with the other, which I would, I would have loved to have seen. That must have been just something else. But, um, but not everybody was, was thrilled with it. Not everybody thought it was a wonderful thing. And when did it die out? Well, it, um, it used to be the language that you, you studied if you, were, uh, if you were a gentleman. And, and when I say gentleman, I mean I mean a man, not a woman. It was not taught to girls. It, it died off. It started to die off, I guess. Well, it was still at the beginning of the 20th century, um, and even into the middle of it, it was something that you would take if you were headed into medicine or law. Um, in the past, it was what you take if you're headed into the clergy and, um, uh, it got, well, you know, I, I read this, uh, what I thought was a very interesting fact, I guess, about Latin, the, the undoing of Latin, it sort of dug its own grave or the people pushing it dug its grave for it by sticking just to this very narrow canon of writers. And during the, what we call the golden age of Latin literature, And, um, so, you know, people like Cicero and Virgil became the models. And if you weren't up to that standard, then you're out. And, you know, the, all the Latin, you know, you know, that Latin was the way to communicate in Europe for hundreds of years. That was, that was what you learned. That was the language of, of educated people. So if you were from England and you're talking to somebody from Germany, you're, you're going to be, um or whatever Germany was called in those days, uh, you were going to be speaking Latin. And, um, uh, but but it fell by the wayside because people, the standards were just so high. And then, you know, Latin morphed into all the Romance languages. So Portuguese, Spanish, Italian, French, Romanian, and all of the dialects associated with them are now, you know, they're modern day versions of Latin. So, as those took over then then latin you know was was no longer studied and then people in the us the 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 um the emphasis shifted to modern languages instead of uh instead of latin and and, and greek greek was less studied than latin but it was it was in there at the university level anyway
2: okay so i read on your bio that Latin is mostly absent from the curriculum at any level of our education system. And it should be brought back, especially in the early grades. How can we bring back that higher standard in our education system? Well,
1: I, you know, I've, so I've had this idea that Latin should be, you know, every kid ought to get a crack at Latin. I've had this idea since, well, 2005. And I have tried to push this idea among, uh, you know, elementary school, you know, principals, teachers, and there is just not much reception to it. So my idea, what, what I want to do, is if I ever do manage to get a business going that is that is actually, um, you know, generating a, a good income, I would love to set up a foundation that uh, launches programs and uh, after-school programs in elementary schools and train like high schoolers or college students uh, on Latin, so they can teach it to the um, after school uh, students who who go to these programs. I actually wrote a curriculum it, it was for parents who don't know any Latin or any foreign language or any English grammar to learn Latin by manageable stages and teach it to their children along the way. This curriculum could be used uh, very easily by by you know, any high, anybody who's literate I, I say if you can. Read your local newspaper. You could use this curriculum to learn and teach somebody Latin. So that's what I. That's my. That's my dream. That's my my evil plan to take over the world. I, I sometimes call it. And I, I think once it got an attraction in uh, in school, uh, and and you know when people saw the benefits of it, then I, I think maybe there would be some more institutional support for it. But it's really really sad to me to see how politely how little esteemed it is and it has so much to offer and and I really honestly I you know you meet a lot of people in, in education and and they seem to be more administrators than than educators and they don't seem to be yes I mean I know a lot of teachers that they're not they're not lifelong learners and how could anybody be a teacher who's just not so curious about everything and especially about language and how could they not think that, that learning your own language um, which Latin really helps you do uh, that learning your own language isn't maybe the most fundamental thing you would do in education because it's the base of everything it's the base of math even math is English all those, all those equations they're actually English sentences if you're learning math you know, in an English speaking country so that you just can't overstate the importance of, of learning how to communicate in your, in your own language. And, and to me, you can't do that. You, you do that most effectively if you have some kind of exposure to another language. And I, I think that, that Latin is the best language to expose someone, uh, an English-speaking kid to, um, if they don't have any kind of natural exposure to a, another language in their, in their lives. You know, anytime you learn something, you compare it to what you already know. And so when you learn another language, you start comparing it to English and you see that, oh, you know, English and, and this language are, you know, they, they're similar. they similar. They all have words, but they use the words in different ways.
2: Do you have any plans that will help you make your dream of Latin being brought back into the mainstream?
1: Well, I, I've been working, I, you know, in the last 15 years, I, you know, I, I started, well, the things that I've done so far uh, were, I, I went back to school actually and did a second bachelor's degree and a second master's degree in, you know, in classics and, and Latin um, because I hadn't studied Latin. When I got this idea in 2005, I had not studied Latin since uh, 1977, I think. I took it in high school. I graduated high school in 78. And um and then never did anything with it, but I knew it was a treasure, you know, just to have studied it was a treasure, uh, even though I didn't, I mean, I couldn't go and read a single passage um, after I'd been away from it for so long. But the, the other things, the, the linguistic awareness it gave me and the vocabulary it gave me and the knowledge of, of syntax that it gave me stayed with me after I'd forgotten all the, you know, the declensions and the conjugations and, and the particulars of grammar that I had learned so when I, when I came back to, uh, 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 the study of Latin, I, I very quickly, um, I, I, I came back to it, uh, like, I don't know, in 2004, I guess. And I, I decided that I was going to come back to it. I finally saw my way. I'd wanted to do it for years. I finally saw my way through to it. And I made, I got myself a Latin grammar and I said to myself, okay, I have two rules. One rule is I will study for 20 minutes a day, no more, no less. And, um, Then most of that was so I wouldn't just do nothing but study lab because I could I could end up doing something like that. And the other rule was I would not be mad at myself for not being further along. Had to start at the beginning. And of course, going through the first few chapters was was pretty easy because I kind of retained those. And then it got, I got slogged down uh, quite a bit somewhere in this, uh, you know, in the, within a couple of months of starting back, I thought I cannot possibly let my kids go out into the world without this treasure. You know, I can't have this treasure and not pass it along. And I, I have, my husband and I have four kids. Uh, two of them were already, you know, they were kind of like older, high school, college. And then another two were in elementary school still. So I thought, you know, I'm going to teach them. Well, I didn't really know enough to teach them. And, uh, at at any rate, (laughs) it didn't take my, my very, uh, uh, fertile brain very long to get the idea that, well, no, it's just, it's not fair if just my kids have it, every kid should have this opportunity. And so, uh, that's when I realized that I'll I'll have to go back to school because I, I can't, um, I can't go out and spread this because I, I don't know enough myself and I couldn't get it all by myself. I I got, you know, I got a, a little way through the, uh, through the first book. Uh, I got pre- a you know, pretty, pretty good portion of it, but I realized I, I needed more. And I ended up actually going back to school. Um, I, spent, I spent four years, two years getting the second bachelor's degree and then another two years in, in, uh, with, with a master's in Latin. And um, then I, you know, I I actually graduated magna cum laude with the bachelor's degree because I submitted this curriculum that I wrote as a senior honors thesis. So I, I did all that kind of stuff that I know how to do. I know how to be a student. I know how to go to classes. I know how to write papers and take tests and study. But setting up a business was a lot harder. And I, I wasn't used to paying money to set up a business or to, you know, I didn't even know what I needed. And I just I just somehow thought, I, I would read about marketing and I would always keep in the back of my mind thinking, yeah, but you know what, I, I really don't have to follow this rule because you know Latin is so special and and I'm so special. I don't have to follow the rules and I, I just wonder how many thousands of dollars I lost and how much time I took before I probably six, seven, eight years before I realized no the laws of marketing apply to everyone i I ended up, I published a book before I, without doing any kind of market research and it's a nice book I'm proud of it it's a a reference book of Latin that I I couldn't even really explain to somebody who doesn't have kind of a basis in Latin. You know, I couldn't explain what it's for, but it's, it's a nice book, but I I had no business spending that much money and time. Um, It it cost me thousands of dollars to hire a designer and to uh, print copies. And I still have a whole bunch of them left and I don't know that they'll ever, I doubt that they'll ever sell, but I've done a lot of things to try to make this, you know, try to push this idea along. But I've only recently um, really gotten it through my head that if you don't have a customer who wants to pay money for your offer, then you don't have a business. You have got yourself a hobby. And I'm really trying to turn my hobby into a business. And you know what, Ed, you're, you're part of it, actually. I um, had had the idea uh, for, for a while. I thought, you know what, I... I've I've worked really, really hard on doing stuff to put this, you know, get this mission going. And then I'll, I'll kind of get either get discouraged or something in life comes up and it keeps me off. And I I just kind of sit there or spin my wheels or do stuff that's not really related to finding customers or, you know, meeting a need that somebody already uh, feels they have. And so I would just kind of go off track. Well, In December, it was kind of at the beginning of December, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to try, I'm going to put an hour a day for three, I'm going to commit to 365 days, and I'm not going to look for results during that time. I'm just going to put an hour a day, no matter what, and I got myself a, a calendar Uh, you know, those, those wall calendars and I don't know if you've ever heard of the the Jerry Seinfeld story. Um, it's, uh, somebody asked him how he was so successful and he said he, he made a, um, commitment to writing, uh, I don't know if he spent 15 minutes a day or what, writing jokes. And he got himself a wall calendar. He would cross it off whenever he had done the 15 minutes or whatever it was he had committed to. It was something small. It wasn't even, you know, like a four-hour uh, session doing this. It was something that anybody could really do time-wise. And, um, and he said, after you get going, you, you don't want to break the chain, so you just keep going. Well, I started on December 20, I started on December 6th doing this. So I think today is maybe the uh, I don't know, I'm sure what it is, twenty eight or something, twenty nine. But anyway, every single day, oh, and what what did I decide I was going to do? Because I I don't have a coach. There's this really expensive coaching program that I wanted to join, but I just I just can't right now. So I thought, well, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to pretend. What would if I was in that program? What would I? What would they be having me do? A good piece of advice that I got from from somebody who is a he's a marketer that I that I that I, that I like to listen to. His name is Ben Settle. He said, this is not fast, but it is very effective. He said, you should go on podcasts, get yourself booked as a guest on podcasts. And this is a way to get people to know, you know, what you're doing. And um, if they actually sit there and listen to you for half an hour or an hour on the podcast, they are a very uh, qualified buyer. And, you know, if they join your list, they're somebody who's like, they really, they didn't just mindlessly click on something that they saw on the screen. They actually are interested in what you've got to say and so um you are the you are the second podcast i'm appearing on the first one was um uh how cool is this a really cute little five minute podcast and and i wasn't even talking to anybody i just left a 90 second message on their voicemail and it's it's been less than a month and this is two things that i can point to as a result and i wasn't even pressuring myself to get a result i was i'm pressuring myself to do the work So I know that was a very long answer to your question about, you know, what am I doing to make this a reality? But honestly, I've been at it for 15 years on and off. I mean, on for quite a lot of the time, it's, it's a, it's a kind of a long answer. I, I, I hope that's okay.
2: (laughs) That's beautiful. You know, podcasting is a way to enrich one's soul, one's mind and reinvigorate our energies because we get to experience so much different cultures, different people. So stay on your mission. You know, last season I had Jacqueline Madison on a quote that she said was even the rose had to wait to become a rose that that is just so truthful right there. Nothing just happens. You have to wait for it. You have to nurture it. So making plans and those baby step actions, that's how you get things done. And I think what you're doing is very important because our education system is definitely hurting. And we need those lifelong learners like you stated earlier These people care that people learn something, not demand it. They they don't expect something in return. They generally want people to understand how life works and how to better themselves. So the mission that you're on is a wonderful thing. In the information that you sent me, you talked about, you have to put words together in a certain way, or they won't mean what you want them to. What makes Latin so important in the foundations of our grammar?
1: You know, for instance, all the, like, the Federalist Papers, um, and all the, the writings of the, of the Founding Fathers, and even the writings of uh, novelists, and, um, I mean, I'm talking, you know, uh, English literature, uh, I mean, whether whether it's American or or, or British, um, these sentences are well, especially the the more serious uh, literature. They're they're founded on on Latin principles. Actually, you know that grammar. I don't. I haven't really noticed that so much lately. But there used to be in in Word. If you type for more than three lines without a uh, without a period, you get that that grammar check underlines it in green because this must be a yeah. mistake because it's gone on for too long. It's obviously a run-on sentence. Well, um, you know, Cicero wrote sentences that were, you know, a paragraph long and they were not run-on sentences. They they hung together. And the writing of... Um, uh, like I've I've just been reading. Um, well, I, sometimes I'll go and, and kind of like dip into the Federalist Papers a little bit, and and I just marvel. I'm like, yes, I, I see the Latin constructions here. They're put together just like a Latin sentence is. The most basic thing I think that somebody could learn about Latin just you know on a, a one off interview like this is that latin okay so a noun in english and and, uh in case anybody is uh shaky on that noun you can just say it's a person place or thing and there are other ways to define it that's that's a good one that's the one i learned growing up so a noun can do different functions in a sentence and um like you you could say the, the the mother read the daughter a story and everybody who speaks English gets a picture in their mind of a mother reading a story to her daughter. But then you can say the daughter read a story to her mother, and that's a different uh, picture in your mind because the the nouns in that sentence, daughter and mother, are um, functioning in different ways depending on how the sentence uh, how the order of the words is put uh, you know is, is uh, set out so in the one sentence the daughter's the subject of the sentence uh, in the other sentence she's the well she's actually the indirect object uh, the the, ob- the direct object is the story that's what's being actually read and who's being affected by this it's the you know, the indirect object. Well, in, in Latin, every single one of those words, daughter, mother, story, it will have a different ending on it uh, signaling that it's doing a particular job in a sentence. It's it's actually saying at the, the end, that that last part of the word is saying, I'm a subject, I'm doing the action of the sentence or, or I am the subject of the sentence. The, the sentence is about me. And, and another word will have a, an ending on it saying, that the action of the verb is being done to me. I'm the one that the, you know, the act is directly being done to. And then another ending will say, oh, I'm, I'm the one I like, I'm, the action is not being done to me, but I'm being very much affected by the action. And so Latin words have these, have these endings. There's, there's a lot of them. (laughs) And so you, so what that means in in, uh, terms of the way Latin is put together and in a way that it really differs from English is that, um, you don't have to put the subject first i mean in the sentence i just uh, the two sentences the mother is reading the daughter a story the daughter is reading the mother a story the subject has to be first that's just the way english is is put together and and it's possible sometimes to uh, not the subject first but usually the subject has to go first and in latin you don't have to do that so you can you can actually hold back information in latin it's it's a it's a language that it can be a lot of fun even have fun with it because you can hold back. Um, like if you want to hold back the subject until the end, you can because there's the marker on it saying "I am the subject of the sentence." That is a very basic difference um, in how Latin works. Uh, that that is, isn't wasn't the question you asked. You asked about.
2: Uh what makes Latin so important in the foundation of our grammar.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. So, well it's it's not that it's um, you know, so Latin has influenced English vocabulary more than grammar, because it's easier to borrow uh words from another language than it is to borrow grammatical features. That that just doesn't happen. The vocabulary is more more important as far as borrowings um actually go. But then but, but as I was saying before. Earlier periods in English used Latin models as the, you know, like that's the way we write good English. So, yeah. Um, did you know that sixty percent of English words come from they're derived from Latin or, or Greek, which is a sister language of Latin. Sometimes the vocabulary is, you know, identical. And then ninety percent of words that are uh, three syllables or more come from Latin or Greek uh, origin. So oh. it's really nice to, uh, you know, all those polysyllables out there roaming around. Those are like polysyllable. There's a, well, that's Greek for you. You know, quadruped, that's a nice Latin, uh, Latin derivative. And, and it's one thing that, that children love that I've seen in the, in the kids that I've taught Latin to. They love knowing words that other people don't know. And they love being able to, to sort out words that, um, you know, to, to be able to take uh, a long word that, uh, you know, an adult would, would think is, oh, that's, that's going to be a hard word, and they can break it down and, and figure out what the meaning must be. Or, it, it, you know, they're going to be close. If they're not right on the money, they, they got pretty
2: close. You say there is just the right amount of linguistic space between English and Latin. You explain this with an analogy using various kinds of light could you tell our listeners about that?
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. So uh, there's this famous saying, or I think it's, it's famous to me and I can't find the source of it at all. And and that is nothing is what it is, but by comparison, when you, um, you don't really understand anything unless you look at it and you compare it. So if you're, if you're looking at, um, at English, it's like, if if you want to study a foreign language to understand English better, to see what English is as a language, uh, it's kind of like, you know, you're shining a light on English. And you can, if, if you say you study uh, Arabic or, or Chinese, uh, you are shining a very blinding light on, on English because it, it's, uh, it's just so different. They're, they're so different in every respect from uh, English, except they, they both do use words <laughs> to, uh, you know, that's the base of the language. And, and after that, there's a lot, there's just so much difference. So, um, it, if you study Arabic, you're not, you're not gonna, you know, it's just going to be blinding for, for English. You're going to not really see very much because the difference is so stark. And then if you, if you study a language, that's a lot closer to English, like Spanish, and I know that a lot of high school kids studying Spanish don't really see that English and Spanish are are all that similar because they're maybe not doing so well in Spanish, but really they truly are very, very similar in a lot of ways. Um, you don't really get to see English, you don't see the beauty of English as much from, from studying Spanish because the contrast is, it's kind of like you've got this dim light shining on, uh, whereas, you know, you study Arabic because so you've got a floodlight shining on English Uh, with uh, Spanish it's kind of like you have this little dim little you know 60 watt or say let's say 15 watt bulb Um, you can't really see too much but if you study Latin and use that as a way to to look at English it's exactly the right amount of light and English is just lit up in in all its beauty all its glory and so is Latin too because then you see Latin as a contrast uh, from English so so the, this linguistic distance, I mean, Latin is further away than, than Spanish is. And uh, it's not as far away as, as something like, you know, Chinese. And so the contrast, you know, what I was saying before, that nothing is what it is, but by contrast, well, you, you know, there are certain contrasts that make things stand out. And, and other contrasts that, you know, they're too subtle or they're too glaring. And um, this, is, this is what I mean by the, the, the linguistic difference. Is is just the right amount to um, uh, to make Latin and English both shine.
2: All right. Could you tell us about your three free reports? What they are, and also how can people get those reports? Oh, you know,
1: I'm going to have to make a link for
2: for two of them. Well, the
1: one that that you you have already uh, mentioned something from is called. Um, uh, why You Are Absolutely Right to Want to Study Latin. And you can get that. Um, uh, I don't have my website set up for, uh, uh, you know, for like multiple. Um, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to go back and, and make some links for these. But the 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 one that you referred to, that is available at uh, latinforlife.com forward slash why you are right, uh, R-I-G-H-T. And then I have an, another one which I will I will definitely make it available. Um it's ready to go. I just need to, you know, do the the technical stuff to get it to get it up and running. It's called Five Ways Your Child Is Being Shortchanged at School and What You Can Do About It. And of course, all those five ways, there's some some way that, that Latin <laughs> comes to the rescue. And then the other one is um is a, is what I is something that I wrote. After I realized that there was a niche out there of people who they took Latin long, you know, long ago, and and wanted to come back to it, and that report is called um, "Why You Don't Remember Any of the Latin You Learned All Those Years Ago and What You Can Do About It," and so those those other two, the 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 one about your child being shortchanged, and um, uh, you know, uh, picking up Latin again, I do have them uh, available. I'll make I'll make those available, and then maybe you can. Um, You could put them in the show notes, possibly.
2: Yes. If you send those, I can put those links in the show notes for you so people can have access to those reports. Also, you wrote some books. Could you tell us a little about the books and where people could find those books
1: well um i, I can't imagine that anybody is uh, who's listening is really going to want this first book even though it's just beautiful it's just wonderful it's called endings and middles and it's the one that's really hard to describe although uh if anybody uh, you know has has listened this far in the podcast they actually would understand a little bit of what the book is they wouldn't need it though at this point um it's it, you look up those endings of the words to see what you're dealing with, because there, there are a lot, and, and some of them overlap. Um, then I, I wrote a book called Teacher Dog Latin. At least that's better than Endings and Middles as far as marketability goes, but it's out of print uh, right now. And um, then I wrote uh, during COVID, um, put some notes together, or finished some some notes that I had done a long time ago. Um, I'm, I'm a Muslim. I, I grew up in the Methodist Church and became a Muslim in my uh, in my early thirties, I guess it was. And, um, I, uh, lived in Jordan for a long time. All my, uh, my husband's from there, all, all our kids were born there and we moved back to the U S in 1998. And I, um, I would always get the same questions. I'm, I'm a covered Muslim, so you, you can, you know, I'm, I'm a white, uh, you know, middle-aged early elderly woman, uh, who's covered. So, um, I, I kind of stand out here in the, in the States, um you know i mean physically and i would always get asked a lot of questions about islam so i i finally decided um one ramadan i thought i'm just gonna sit down and 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 write uh write something that i can give people if they um if they're interested in in you know like the basics of islam why do they why do people believe this why do they believe that and or why do they do follow this or that practice and so i I had written that like, I don't know, 10 years ago or so. But then this this March, March, April, during during COVID, I actually published it on Kindle, and that actually is available. It's called uh, Ramadan Journal, uh, My Reluctant Conversion to Islam, I think is the title of it. <laughs> I don't even remember. Um, uh, but yeah, it's if you look up K N-E-A-L, N-E-A-L, uh you'll you'll find it in there. And you can if you have a membership to Kindle, you can read it for free. Otherwise it's I think it's $3.99 is what the um, what the price is. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm kind of sorry that the teacher dog Latin is, is out of print right now, but um, that will not change the world. You know, writing a book, it, books end up being commodities and you have to have like a program or something if you really want to change the world. So I'm, i I'm, I'm not sorry that I wrote these books, but I know that it, it's, it takes more than just publishing a book to make something happen.
2: That's for sure. You know, but action, makes things happen and part of writing a book and trying to get it out there is that action phase a lot of people they don't even put action into their dreams their goals they just go along to get along so what you're doing it it helps in small minute ways maybe Mm -hmm. but it helps
1: so what is your
2: call to action
1: Oh, I'm so sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, what I was gonna say is that you know sometimes like I, I remember doing one time I was doing a, a Toastmasters um, speech I was at, at a regional competition and I and I I, don't know, I was talking about Latin <laughs> and um, I saw when I got in there and, and heard the first guys I thought whoa I am way out of my league <laughs> you know there's like you know I'm gonna get up and do my talk and you know I'll do my best but I mean I'm just like I am so outclassed by by these extremely professional. Uh, speakers that that uh, that are getting up there, and so I gave my talk about Latin, and, and I, and I, and I knew there was no way for me to win, and, and of course I didn't. But I thought, you know what? Maybe there's somebody sitting in the audience, and they'll be at a school board meeting, and they might and it might occur to them like somebody might mention Latin or something, and and they might say, oh yeah, I heard I heard a woman talking about the benefits of you know teaching our children Latin, and yes, let's get a Latin teacher into this school district, and and so I. I I think sometimes you know maybe I won't get to actually create a a a big business that that funds a, a foundation that's national in scope and just makes all kinds of of um, of change uh, for the good, um, but maybe maybe I'm just here maybe maybe I think my mission is something big but maybe my mission is just for one person who's actually going to. You know that um uh that poem um that's right. is it? Flanders Fields to you from failing hands we throw the torch it be yours to hold on high maybe maybe somebody else is going to to take my idea and run with it I and mean, they're actually going to get that's traction right. in the marketplace and bring Latin to mainstream people and, um, and so I have to you know content myself and say like my job is to do the work my job is not to get a particular result because I there it's not in my hand
2: that's right that's, that's good philosophy right there and if we all recognize that you know you never know what kind of spark you can ignite off of what you do it's you doing it that matters so don't be afraid you m- might get dirty you might get wet you might get cold you might be discouraged but if you do it you're already a winner that's a beautiful thing.
1: I will try to hang on to that because you know I. I mean, this is supposedly my philosophy, but you know, you lose track of it sometimes, and and that's one reason it's it's really nice to be spending time with people like you because you know you it reinvigorates you and it keeps you you know it's it's encouragement when you're when you're feeling kind of like oh I'm just plotting and I'm not getting anywhere well you know. Uh, You know, the philosophy is the thing, not the uh, and implementing the philosophy is the thing, not the result.
2: That's right. So, Kay, could you share with us what is your call to action to people? And could you end with how people can connect with you?
1: Um, Well, people could connect with me uh, if they just uh, want to write me at uh, Kay, K-A-Y, at Latinforlife.com that will, that will get to me. Um, and my call to action, I guess, well, I mean, I would love it if people would get my free reports and, and that has my email address in it as well. Um, I guess a, a more general call to action is, you know, next time you hear about any kind of opportunity to learn Latin or, or for your kids to learn Latin, don't dismiss it as a dead language. Just see what the, what the opportunity is. And maybe go for it. Maybe at least you know investigate it. At least um, it's a really hard thing to really get to the essence of. If you actually don't go into it a little bit yourself, you kind of have to try it. And uh, and I would encourage people to not laugh it off as a dead language. Um, it's it it is worth looking into.
2: All right. Well, we sure do appreciate you being with us today on Dead America podcast. It's awesome to have people, you know, they that's that's the essence of life, communication mm-hmm. that's and right. how we communicate, it really matters. So thank you, Kay, and you enjoyed your day.
1: You too, Ed.
2: Thank you for joining us today. If you found this podcast enlightening, entertaining, educational in any way. Please share, like, subscribe, and join us right back here next week for another great episode of Dead America Podcast. I'm Ed Waters, your host. Enjoy your afternoon, wherever you may be.